Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hello and welcome to the AEW Collision Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by another one of the Dudley Boys, Michael Sidgwick from What Culture, to review everything that happened on this weekend's episode of AEW Collision. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, and YouTube. Mm. Where we do daily wrestling podcasts where we not only review AEW Collision, but also AEW Dynamite, Raw, SmackDown, the show formerly known as NXT 2. Oh! Pay-per-views, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a round of the week complete with a bigger quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, though, joined by Michael Sidgwick to review AEW Collision, an eventful episode. Big announcement. Yes. Got what bloody was there for a minute. This announcement. Thank you. One, I'm happy. I'm... I've, my expectations have been raised. And let's talk about this for five minutes because let's be realistic... Let's not be, you know, a stupid toxic engagement account or try and be absolutely glowing with praise about the direction of AEW and collision for the goddamn sake of it. Uh-huh. Because there isn't realistically much to say about this edition of collision at all. Um, I'll give you my overall thoughts on it imminently. This Continental Classic could be big. There are lapsed fans, I know, already from AEW who mm-hmm. listen to this podcast. So give them a bit of context and I'll give you my thoughts on it. Yes, so uh, we'll just skip ahead to that. You might as well. Uh, Tony Khan and uh, one-eyed Brian Danielson are backstage, uh, and he, he shills for AEW All In. <laughs> you can get tickets. Yeah. Dan- I promised Danielson to be there. Uh, he talks about how this year's event obviously missed the presence of, uh, say, several top stars. I know. Oh, sorry, Eric was being born. Um, Danielson said that he will be part of 2024's All In, though. Uh, they plugged on sale dates and pre-sale signups, etc. And then, yeah, Tony Khan announced the first ever AW Continental Classic, which is a round-robin tournament featuring 12 of AW's top stars wrestling weekly. It's going to start on November 22nd in Chicago um, <laughs> with the uh, final TV matches taking place on December 27th in Florida and the final going down at the World End pay-per-view on December 30th. And despite everything that's happened, despite the fact he stood there with one eye, Brian Danielson will be cleared to compete in the Continental Classic. What? Danielson said, nothing is going to stop him being in this tournament and making it the best wrestling tournament ever. Exciting stuff. It, tentatively, yes. Tentatively, yes. A1, uh, A1's GAW Classic, I might as well say that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a sentence there. <laughs> yeah, there is, just about. <laughs> Try again. Uh, AEW's version of the G1. That's the thing. That is precisely it. The second, and this is what they don't... Uh, 
what what's the extent of the disconnect between company and audience at the minute? This feels like another kind of come back. Yeah. Come on, come back. Um so it'd be I'm kind of fascinated. I don't know it probably averages out, but I'm kind of half optimistic, half pessimistic. Mm. Surely you don't say it's gonna be the best wrestling tournament ever. By the way, it isn't. <laughs> it's not gonna be the twenty nineteen 2018 or 17 G1s. It just isn't. Even the 16 was, oh my God, Kenny Omega in that tournament. Oh my God. Oh my God. The distances with which he flew to get it nightly in that final were just absolutely disgusting. Also gave me flashbacks then of, uh, how did you do your first G1? John? Huh? <sighs> I won mine. I won mine. Aye. <laughs> Moxley 2019. Like, it's, I mean, let's hope it's going to be up there. But you simply do not say, right, best wrestling tournament ever, uh-huh. and it's going to be a round-robin format without they know that everyone who follows AEW and knows about New Japan and follows New Japan and sees the mere format of the tournament, instantly they know people are going to compare this to the G1. Yes. Um. Therefore, my interest levels have peaked. They know what we are going to think about it, and they are going to presumably map this tournament around that promise. It's a promise. Even if it's tacit, not like pretty much unspoken, it is a promise. A round-robin tournament, right, well, that's different. That allows Tony Khan to beat some names because someone has to lose. Yeah. Let's not do a, Let's not do some ridiculous carny finishes, the likes of which we see on television almost every single week. Let's keep this, let's have some sanctity surrounding Mm -hmm. this. Let's realize what this is. This feels like a make good. Maybe they've had a plan for months, not anticipating the criticisms that the company would face in August, September, October, November. It feels like it's really accelerated. Maybe this has been in the works for ages, but I don't think it is. I think this is kind of a, right, okay, we've kind of gone off track. There's been a lot of discourse about where we should be and where we aren't. This feels like a very easy win. Mm. Um, ultimately, this has to be loaded with top names and clean finishes. This is the one time, yeah, that we're like, thank goodness for this huge roster that AW and ROH has. Um, because, I mean, you and I could easily sit here and do a podcast about the other 11 names that need to be in this tournament. And the beauty of it, and you educated me because I wasn't very clued up on the G1, obviously, when I first started World Culture. The beauty of it is, is you can have big names in it and they can lose their opening match, for example, and it's not just like, oh, well, they're finished. Like, you can plot a route for them to advance. Yeah. And then, obviously, the beauty of, well, if they're going to, you know, d- directly lift from the G1, put after the tournament, someone can say, well, you won the whole thing, but mm, I beat you on week three or whatever. So let's have another fight. And yeah. that's it, it, that's the the beauty of fuels things. Stories can come yeah, from this. It fuels things. Um, let's not do cartwheels and run away with everything yet, because Tony Khan hasn't yet booked one incredible tournament. I think the closest he's come was the Grand Slam Tournament of Champions that he oh. did between Full Gear, no, between All Out 2022 and um, Grand Slam. It was really inspired because it was, right, we need a new champion. (laughs) 
because Punk's gone indefinitely. Um, we need to deliver something for fans who have probably, for the first time, very, very much worried about the direction of this company and the um, the problems that are mounting within it. So let's do loads of really cool big-name matches on TV. Even then, even then, this was a way different to, oh, let's have um, some more Joe Beat. Oh, Jeff Hardy in a quarterfinal of a single el- elimination bracket so you kind of you can see who's in the final. Like, that is the worst of Tony Khan's terrible booking of tournaments. Um, but even the Grand Slam Tournament of Champions, it was an excuse to say, right, okay, we're going to give you some big matches. You've seen them all. You've <laughs> seen them all. You've seen Moxley Danielson, the final, earlier this year. You've seen um, Jericho versus Danielson. You've seen Danielson versus Hangman. He's still giving you the matches that you've seen, mm. but in this context of a really good tournament and lots of big ones, familiar but in succession. So you kind of had a cheat code even then when this company and the PR and the optics needed saving, he still put something in the back pocket. I don't want to get... We could talk about this until the cows come home, until the actual participants are revealed, and mm. then it takes the conversation will change. If I'm booking this, I'm putting in, and let's not overly romanticize a G1, even though it's almost impossible to do that. You can't overly romanticize some of the best wrestling ever. Like 27, 16, 17, 18, 19, like forget about it. That's some of the best ever in terms of stakes, in terms of volume of greatness. Like, it, oh, they're just so good. The old peak New Japan G1s. That's up top five ultimate wrestling stuff ever, mm. ever. Um, so there is there are big shoes to fill there. But, you know, Bad Luck Foley was in them. You had some mid-card scrubs. Yeah. You had some people who were like, well, you know, you can give us a good match, but you're never going to win it. Like Goto. Like even Goto would, like, level up. They would see Yeah, you can this. have people go, like, Owen, what would it be, Owen 5, presumably. Yeah. But they can still showcase them. Yeah, that's a thing. You can still showcase them. People have to lose. Um, and you can arguably make a story out of lose five on the bounce. Yeah, no, that's a thing. You could have a top star have a real confidence crisis, although I would argue that AEW has done that quite often. But going back to my point about Goto, right? Goto was, after a certain amount of years, deeper into the 2010s, you realized, oh, I'll never go in with him. And he's above the, he's above Goto, he's above Goto, he's above Goto. Goto will never, ever headline a Wrestle Kingdom or win the big one. But you have to have people to lose. Even Goto would be like, yeah. I'm still going to go absolutely crazy and go for match of the night honors or, you know, whatever. There was this, it might be difficult to do the first time because the more the G1 expanded in legend and more people talked about it and the standards of in-ring got raised. Entering it was like such a badge of honor. He could not put in the biggest shift of your, of your year, like on those legendary seminal G1 nights. If this can approach that level of like sort of, intra-roster competition, if you like, where it's like, oh, Christ, did you see Danielson and uh, Mox on Dynamite? Well, we've got our block and next block matching collision. Christ, if we have to stand a chance of earning the same plaudits they did for their match, right, we're going to have to go absolutely crazy, like Mm. absolutely crazy. This should obviously fuel storylines. You'd expect the winner to go on, or maybe Revolution and challenge for the title. You'd expect some... Uh, subplots to develop. Maybe this could be the sort of catalyst for the 
BCC imploding at long last because you could make the argument that that stable has outlived its usefulness if it ever really reached its potential. Mm-hmm. You could have Moxie Danielson do the fallout. You could have Claudio Danielson in this. Um, but above anything else, if they can get that mentality into the wrestlers of this is massive, this is huge, we want this to be a tentpole annual look at the roster we've got and let them go with stakes and everything. This could become something really special. But the thing is, when I say all of this, one, I'm neglecting AEW's entire history of tournaments, which we cannot just abandon at the mere, the first breath of a, the first whisper of a comparison to the G1. You mm-hmm. can't just say, all right, well, it's going to be great because it's going to be like the G1. That's, I think that's shallow and I think they really need to earn this. And I do not want to see someone who sucks in this bracket. They've said 12 of the best. Mm. Make this best of the best, right? Danielson, like, off the top of my head, Omega, Danielson, Moxley, Hangman, not MJF because he's the champion. Swerve? Swerve. Like, the, ver- the the established best of the best, I guess, in fiction, that means Jericho. But then the idea of Jericho doing a shoot G1 is ridiculous. <laughs> um, even though the AEW's version of it with more spaces between um, shows. Your biggest names and then um, your ne- that cusp of people like Roosh, Takeshita, yeah. Swerve, mm. like those people who are forever like sort of talked up as they should be Garcia's redemption. Spot. Maybe that could come through there. Yeah, mm. I was just looking, sorry. But even then, is he, I think he's too low. For this to be the best of the best, G1, mm-hmm. Tier, your best people are calling this the AWG one. You cannot piss about with this. Just looking at the, uh, I just thought I'd look on the wiki for uh, previous years of the G one, 2018. Right, I'm just going to read the top eight. So the two top fours from Block A and Block B, which doesn't include uh, the likes of Hangman Page or Juice Robinson, right? Because they were not really anyone mm. back then. Tanahashi. Oh my god. Okada. Oh my god. Jay White. Oh my god. Noro Suzuki. Oh my god. Kota Ibushi. Oh my god. Kenny Omega. Oh my god. ZSJ. Oh my god. Tetsuya Naito. Oh my god. Ishii's there oh as well. Oh my god. Ishii's the G1 god. They should get Ishii in for this. Well, I don't think they will. One other thing I wanted to do before I've got a bit of an announcement to make. Okay. Um, do you know what they should also, Nick? Because, I mean, we're. Fans and friends of his due to his background in WCPW. But Gabriel Kidd's promo at the press conference made everyone sit up and take notice. Do you think they should do like a press, a some version should. of the presser? They should do something like that. What's with all the media channels they have. It doesn't have to be on Dynamite, but with all the media channels that they have. What's weird about this, though, is like, <sighs> did you see the worked press conference they did for Orange Cassidy and Claudio's match on Dynamite? Yes. It just looks so fake. Like, I know what an AW press scrum looks like. <laughs> I've been in an AW press scrum to have these obviously fake plans from. I'm from Wrestlers, Wrestling Digest, and I've got this question. It's like, you are fake. That publication does not exist. I think it did something similar way back for um, Cody versus Jake Hager at Fighter Fest. They did a, oh, yeah. they did a worked press conference for that. And it's like media aren't allowed in the building. Everyone in the wrestling media and the real wrestling media aren't leaving the houses. No. I know this is fake. They, they, they can't travel. It's like two months into it all. So the that, guns I, just with a hat on. 
I'd be <laughs> I would be careful about that. Uh, I'd love to see it if they could repurpose that style and put it in a different context where a lot of pre-taped stuff. But then again, they're doing the skits now. Apparently, they used to really do a lot of live, 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 live content on Dynamite early. Like, it was so action-heavy as well. Like, the barely even did many in-ring promos. You'd get one from Cody and or Jericho, maybe an MJF, and then Cody deeper into the year in 2019. I think it was so... Like, I think the analytics told them live action drives ratings yes. when people see a pre-tape, especially the AEW audience. Yeah. They'll just switch off. Hopefully that's changed because I'd love to see something like that. So, uh, just like a proper sporting tenor to all of this. We should just just remind me, remind me when I go downstairs. Good Bruce bet across the office uh, for picks for who to, who wins it. Maybe when the names are announced, we all get one or we draw names. Yeah, something like that. But um, in advance of the announcement of the the rest of the names, we know Brian Danielson's there. I actually can say, obviously, considering our sway within the wrestling. You know, uh, we've been given the opportunity to announce the first three names joining Brian Danielson. Oh. Yeah, so. It's time to play the game! Time to play, time to play the game! game. <laughs> is it a case? Da, 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 who else is the first three names in the Continental Classic? It's, it, it's an unorthodox way of Tony Khan doing this. You'd think he'd just pick the names out of, like you say, the best people in the company, but he's just left it over us. He's entrusted us. We're just going to scroll through the roster page, and he, he explicitly said to me, No Pro Evo skips! So, no Pro Evo no skips. No Pro Evo skips. Pressure's Let, on you here, mate. Let's see if it is, in fact, the AEWG one, or if, unfortunately, Tony Khan has struck again. <laughs> the AWP one. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh... Here we go. I'm scrolling through the AW roster page. Who will be the first person to join Brian Danielson in this new tournament? Stop. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay, this You've got... Okay, I've got... As you can see, ten names here. Because I've got two, two levels of five. So just give me a number between one and ten. <sighs> you've got real potential to, to, to fire this one off out of the gate. Alan Shearer, number nine. Number nine. Okay. First name to be announced. I will say this. If you'd have said two, Jeff Jarrett would have been in the uh, She'd had five mocks. She'd have said ten. Kenny Omega. Uh, Keith Lee, however, is the first name in the tournament. Name value, yes, but recent performance would suggest he's not the best of the best. But let's see who else is joining. If, the, if Keith Lee is announced, I would be not disappointed, but I'd be sort of... I'd be hoping rather than expecting greatness. Stop. Ooh, okay. Another good opportunity. Another 10 names in front of me. Um, Number seven. Lovely. Number seven. It's Tony Nice. Talented guy. Talent guy. I think he's going to go 0 and 5, I'll be honest. Yes. Okay. Well, looks like it's another AW tournament. <laughs> okay, I'm one more go. I'm scrolling back up because I hit the bottom there. Stop. Oh, I'm in the same place as before. Stop. Right. Again, another interesting mix of people here. 1 to 10. So we've got we've got Brian Danielson, Keith Lee, Tony Nice, and... <sighs> one. Shea Given. Yes! 
was really hoping you. I didn't want to influence you in any way. There's no shenanigans going on here. Eddie Kingston's in the tournament. He should be in the tournament. Yeah. I don't care what belt he's got. They don't really mean anything. He's, he's the best of the best. Should we play Scammy Game on the Dynamite preview? Yeah. We can pick the rest of the names because yes. you have. Yes. Uh, yes. Oh my God. I've got two word, horror, two sentence horror stories on collision. <laughs> I forgot about that bit as well. More games. That's what I'm all about. Uh, right. Where are we? Oh, yeah. Start a collision. Oh, yeah. They do the, the talky bits. Everybody dies. Poor, poor cameraman, Lance Archer going straight after him. Uh, Preston Vance, or Hook, oh, sorry, Hook. Um, what's his name? Roosh is pissed off uh, because of what has happened with Preston Vance on uh, Rampage. Mm-hmm. Um, mess with the ball, get the horns. Uh, Carry on. Don Callis says Hobbs is going to put someone in the ground. Uh, and Garcia says he's not going to complain about losses. He's going to take a negative situation and turn it into a positive and dance over Andrade's broken body. Love that. I love this. The, I love this this thing. And then they had the the Dream Three, obviously doing it as well yeah. at the beginning. I, I like this as a way of opening the show. It makes me excited for a, across the board, not just like, oh yeah, we'll get to the Sting Derby, yes. Adam Copeland. I was like, oh yeah, and that. Oh, and that. And it gives stakes, even if there's if it's just a match that's kind of thrown together. I don't say stakes. Well, it gives intrigue. You mentioned Rampage. I want to mention, I want to put over Rampage. Yes. Before we get to this collision review, because realistically, I, I think I'll have a fun record, but there wasn't a lot to this. Uh-huh. FTR versus Vikingo and Commander was excellent. And I love and continue to love the studio cut FTR, if that makes any sense. Yes. When you know you've got, right, you've got 15 minutes, lads, go out there. And, you, and they don't indulge themselves. They don't lead into their tropes. That's really cool when they steal like other teams' finishes. It's their own. <laughs> Should they just tell them that Dynamite's been shifted to an hour? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or the collision. Are like two hours long now. <laughs> um, this wasn't as good as the real best FTR match of the year, which was Big Bill and Brian Cage. Oh, my God. But it was still really, really, really good. Cash Wheeler is a lunatic. Was it Vikingo who took that bump into the table? Yeah. Jesus. Unbelievable, yeah. If you haven't watched Rampage, and I do not, uh, you know, do not resent you for that. No. Um, do not blame me for that either. Um, Vikingo's firing up to one of his just ridiculously propulsive aerials and in one unbelievable swift motion, Cash Wheeler, who takes the um, imploding Rana yeah. as well as anyone. What a base he is. Um, when Vikingo was going for another dive, he just one swift motion, sidestep, splat Vikingo's face. Looks like his teeth have just been knocked down his throat on the edge of the commentator's table. It looked unbelievable. Best spot as well. It's just so good. You know how in fiction, there's a lot of this in comedy. It works in drama as well. And like, there's a weird thing about the magic number three. Mm. Bad news comes in threes. Or, you know, the th- something definitive happens third mm. in the sequence. Just this weird rule that rules our lives and fiction, right? Comedy as well, rule Comedy, of three. Comedy, rule of three, yeah. Like, so the third time something happens is like really significant. So they do the spot, the sequence rather, where um, Dax keeps trying to do the slingshot Liger bomb on um, Vikingo, tries it first time, gets rolled up. Then he's eats some more offense, then goes to the slingshot Liger bomb, Again, second time, he gets, like, cradled or whatever. Victory roll and then, like, mm-hmm. a, another pin. The third time, oh, finally gets him, 
plants them, and it's like, oh, rule three, they're going to win. And then Commander just comes and cradles them, and you think, oh, he's going to win, because they've established that something significant happens around the third time mm-hmm. of an event, of a chain of events. And it's the, uh, what a match this was. Yes. Again, 40-minute FTR TV, better than 20 plus minutes FTR on pay-per-view, for my money anyway. Looking at X on Saturday morning, it's often obviously dominated by SmackDown stuff. I barely see Rampage on my timeline now, but there was obviously the the Vikingo dive and then that spot. Yeah. I was like, should I watch Rampage? Yeah. Which is a hell of an achievement. Yeah. Um, So yeah, opening match was uh, Daniel Garcia versus Andrade El Idolo, who's now managed by CJ Perry. She comes out with him. He's looking very pleased with himself. Miro, not so much uh, backstage. Um, and uh, I enjoyed this match a lot. These two, I thought they worked really well together. Uh, drop kicks to start. Andrade drop kicks him to the floor. Sets up the big moonsault. And Garcia sort of channels his inner Samoa Joe by just walking away. Uh, baits Andrade around the ring, gets back in. Uh, catches him with a nice dragon screw leg rip, leg whip in the ropes. Um, and a... Uh, takes down Andrade and does his, his dance and his thrust towards CJ Perry, who sort of does it back to him briefly. Yeah. Um, but uh, Garcia catches Andrade with a rebound German suplex off the ropes to take us to break. Oh, my God. Uh, when we come back, they're on the top. Garcia looks like he's going to superplex Andrade, but Andrade headbutts him down. But Garcia, um, well scouted in terms of Andrade, avoids a high crossbody, hits him uh, and gets him in an ankle lock. Uh, Andrade fights out of that flying forearm from Andrade double knees in the corner gets a two count he goes for the moonsault but Garcia knocks him off and again goes after the ankle um, hits a vertical suplex Andrade turns it into the three amigos but Garcia reverses the third amigo into a brain buster for a near fall um, Andrade then hits the double jump moonsault fans are loving it at this point and uh, instead of doing the bit where well, you were just going for a kick. He fakes doing the kick, Andrade. Nails him with that awesome back elbow of his. I don't know why Jericho does his finish. The moment Andrade came to the company doing that, I was like, oh, cool. Judas of X dead. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Andrade locks on the figure four, transitions into the figure eight, and gets the submission victory. CJ Perry, very happy with her new client. This is really, really, really good. I wouldn't go as far as to say it was great, but I was really invested. Mm. It went long as well. Um, and they locked me in. Kind of knew ahead of time that they're not gonna, they're gonna continue Daniel Garcia's character arc. They're gonna continue to keep Andrade strong ahead of whatever he does with Miro. That'll probably culminate in a pay per view match. So I kind of had an idea of the outcome, but I still got locked into the story. Um, some of the work here was just delightful, mm. like really snug, really well timed, like a sense that both wrestlers wrestlers had strategized for their opponents without just countering stuff, because that's how back-and-forth matches go in this era. Uh, It's a hard thing to pin down on why certain matches feel like they're being wrestled by people who are really trying to win and have thought about how to neutralize their opponent's arsenals versus matches where, oh, reversals just happened. That's how a modern wrestling match in the rhythm of it goes. This felt like the former Mm -hmm. in a way I can't really describe why. It was just my gut feeling of, I just believe this more. I believe, like, there was a bit where very early Garcia um, is trying to do the leapfrog drop down 
to trip Andrade up, but Andrade, and this is such a great execution. Just the second he goes off the ropes, he just drop kicks him right in the face. It really feels like they were trying to catch each other out rather than, oh, that would look good if that got reversed. Mm. You know what I mean? I should counter that with this because yes. these two um, moves we've got mesh well together in that respect. Not just a feeling sometimes. I like um, the uh, Tranquilo into the dance as well. Oh, oh my God, I like that Tranquilo. He looks, he looks like he's glued to the ropes when How's he, he do it? nails it. How's he do it? <laughs> so I was really impressed with this. I wasn't in love with it, but I was locked in. I was impressed, and it was ultimately, by some distance, the high point of this show. Yeah. Which otherwise, like, I was... Uh, Watching this, right, I watched the vast majority of it on the Sunday morning because my stupid body got me up early. Um, and I was thinking, let's have a nice cup of coffee. And I was watching the show and I was going, ah, this is quite nice. Yeah. And it was just, uh, I understand four years, you cannot maintain this, like, vibe and feeling. There's creative problems out the ass as well. But you cannot create this world-beating, invincible streak for four years. But I was thinking, I used to watch Dynamite thinking, thank God for this show. It has saved American wrestling. Mm-hmm. So Dynamite is the show that saved American wrestling. Collision is the show that's quite nice to watch with her morning coffee. See, they're, I, they're all levels. They're all levels, and the rest of this collision was just kind of there. Yeah, in terms of levels, like you say, giddy to watch Dynamite on a Thursday morning um, back in the day. Then it got to the stage where I was watching Rampage uh, as late as humanly possible oh, yeah. on a Sunday or even a Monday in the office. Like, we just sneak it in before we jump in the studio. Um, on a lunch. On a lunch break, obviously. Um, and then, yeah, Collision, yeah, got to just be, I'll fit it in when I can. I will say this. I sat down to watch Collision after, you know, like those um, snake that eat like a big sheep. What? And after <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Have to be like, now it's going to have to lay there for like three days to digest it or whatever. I had a lovely big Sunday roast. Where? Um, ooh, what's it called? It's got a hat on the... I'll, I'll find out the name of the restaurant. And Louise and I went there on Sunday. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Town? Yeah. No, in, uh, in Gateshead. All oh, right. Um, and uh, I, I indulged. It was like, you can have two courses for whatever, or you can have one course for whatever. And I was like, oh, two courses then. Yeah, of course. So we had uh, halloumi... To start. I love halloumi. It's the goat of cheese. Yeah. Then lovely roast. As opposed to goat's cheese. It's <laughs> and masquerading then, as the goat. And was like, I'm so full. And I was like, well, we did kind of order two, you know, two courses. But we played it smart. So it's like, and Louis got starter and main, which we shared the starter. And I had main and dessert. So she then, was too full. Well, the brownie wasn't going to eat itself. <laughs> and so I got home in a very much like a... <sighs> pints or no pints? Uh, no pints. Oh, no pints. Two pints on Sunday, man. Yeah, I was tempted, but uh, I knew that I would definitely fall asleep when I got home. Yeah. If I did that, and this just snapped me out of it straight away. Great stuff. To really start good opener. Show. Really good opener. Then he fell asleep halfway through the show, I presume. <laughs> Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Uh, it was followed by uh, Nick Wayne versus Don Castle, who's a babyface again now. He was a heel last week. He's complaining as well. I don't know. I don't care. Um, I, I mean, I do like to watch him. Yeah. Oh, don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not going to complain having more suplexes. Oh, my God. Um, but, yeah, Christian Cage, Luchasaurus, obviously out there. Don Castle's out with the boys. Um and yeah, I I thought this was going to be far more of a shenanigan oh, win for Nick Wayne uh, than it actually was because Don Castle got loads in here to to the point where I thought, oh, are they going to start beating Nick Wayne and Christian Cage start looking at his sunlight? But um, yeah, Castle hit just a, a series of suplexes, gut wrenching him all over the place. Oh God! Um, he uh, Nick Wayne fought back. He hung uh, Dalton up on the ropes and hit a European uppercut to get a near fall. Um, but yeah, Castle just keeps snatching this little twerp up and chucking him about, staring at Christian in the TNT title. Uh, Wayne gets out of the bangerang, goes for Wayne's will, but Castle catches him with another suplex. Luchasaurus goes to interfere, but the boys cut him off, so the two boys get choke slammed on the floor. Cage takes the referee, Wayne posts Dalton Castle and hits him with a Wayne's world for the one, two, three. It was there. It was, you know... Nick Wayne has got a match on pay-per-view coming up. He is uh, wrestling one of the teams in the main event. It makes sense for Nick Wayne and his opponents to win on the night. Yeah. It was such easy, basic, very AEW booking across the board. And I, increasingly, I refer to that in a not particularly positive way. It was very much the things you kind of have to do. It's like, you know, when someone does something that they have to do, and you're like, oh, it's good. Mm. I suppose you, you do have to do it in this sort of way. It doesn't really impress me. It doesn't make me thrilled. It was just, it was fine. It was there. Some of the suplexes were, ah, mm. like that suplex. That's basically, I, I, I watched it and thought, oh, I really like that suplex. I just love Dalton and Castle. Nick Wayne could take it like a champ. Yes. I do love Dalton Castle, but again, it's all very, like, it's just in general with collision. You know, if you missed a week of Dynamite, it's so busy and often so eventful that you would be lost mm. if you didn't. If you missed two Dynamites, right? Oh, goodness. You'd kind of be a little bit lost. If you missed every collision, I don't think you'd <laughs> be very much the wiser. There is a lot of this person could do with a win because they've got something important to do. 
let's just have a nice, isolated, random match where they win, and that's it. And that was very, very much this. Uh, the Bank in Lowfell. Ah! Durham Road? Yep. I grew up one street away from there. It's great. Good, good, uh, good taters. Good Yorkshire pud. Most importantly, tasty meat. Uh, where what are we? What oh. did he get? Huh? What meat did he get? Uh, I went pork. I do like a pork. I've, I've stretched for the the little extra for the lamb before. No, I'm not but, a big fan of lamb. Mm. I used to be, but not anymore. Uh, <laughs> right, back to back to collision. I'm trying to talk about anything other than the show at this point. But uh, Hangman Page cut a really fired up promo backstage. Not before time. Uh, yeah, he says, uh, shame swerve, you know, like they could have got this great victory at Wrestle Dream and taken my spot, but instead, uh, you know, you cheated, uh, and then you made the biggest mistake of your life opening my door and stepping into my house. Uh, I'm gonna take you down to the depths of hell, Texas death match at full gear. Uh, and he offers some advice to swerve, uh, in the interim, make the most of the time you've got, spend it with your family, make some memories because, uh, you're going to die, basically. I'm going to leave you in fire for an eternity, and I'll piss on your grave. Where's this been? They've done such... Uh, I don't want to say disaster, because that's hyperbole. But my God, if they just got it right, and they hadn't made that absolutely massive fumble, they haven't missed that sitter of a follow-up to that massive, massive error of that stupid promo on the baby. Like, they're just basically trying to... It's all consolations. They've been battered. I will never invest in this feud as something that's completely bought my attention, completely locked me in, completely made me believe. I believe CM Punk and Eddie Kingston despised each other, and it might yeah. even be true. Um, Like, if they hadn't... It's all consolations now. It's like, we've been battered. We've been battered at home unexpectedly, and you're like, oh, Christ, that hurts. Mm. And, you know, you get a few goals, and it's like, well, we've lost. Mm. Like Barnett, you just you scored twice in the 90th minute, but it doesn't matter because Chesterfield scored four. So. And they've won four, too. I always check, oh, your, yeah, yeah. Always check your results. Five points clear now with the game in Five hand. Five points clear with the game in hand. Oh. Telling me there's a chance? Pretty high one, obviously. Don't, I can't, you, know, you know, you and I both know we're not allowed to say that. Yes, if it was any other team, you'd think, oh, they've pissed the title in. Yeah, I look at Leicester and go, well, they're definitely going to win it. Yeah, but if you were a Leicester fan, you'd think, I could go wrong. Mm -hmm. A few points recently. But yeah, uh, this has been needed for a while from Hangman Page. Ah, uh, it's overdue. But yeah, Texas Death. Too late, one might say. Um, I think you can read... Hangman Page and a Texas Death, it's guaranteed to be awesome. This is the thing, I've been the, one of the biggest detractors of Hangman Page recently. I think it's fair to say, but I, I think it's, it's, it's been a fair assessment of where he's been at recently. The moment he said Texas Deathmatch along with this promo, a bit like the other week with Moxley, I was like, there we go. Yeah. He's back. Yeah, Texas Death with Hamman Page is a promise of greatness. He's so good at crafting these things. He's a total lunatic. Uh, do the last call with the break on his face. Yes. Yes. Oh, I, I haven't even started fantasy booking spots yet. Uh, LFI versus the Workhorseman was next. I love this. Yeah. Was it, was it in this match? Uh... Maybe it was later. There was a spot, and I went, oh! like, uh, it's not quite the, uh, it's not that. It was a bit, someone took someone's fucking head off. I'll, I'll remember it in a bit. Uh, Drillistico's in trouble early on. We're all waiting for Roosh to get in, kind of, for the LFI. 
Um, <laughs> Thanks for coming, Julius. <laughs> Thanks, guys. He's doing the role, yeah, to, to get uh, the hot tag to Roosh, who comes in and just spatters J.D. Drake. Oh, my God. Uh, run that back, please. Um, Kicked. I love him watching these two go at it. We go to a break, come back, Rush uh, faints the bulls, bulls horns and then just nails him with a huge boot instead. Uh, there's a double team on Drake. Rush goes for the bull, bulls horns, but Henry drags him out of the ring and uh, the workhorsemen kill Drillistico with a double team, it looks like, um, for a nice near fall. Uh, Rush gets uh, or takes Henry's feet away from him on the apron. Drillistico avoids a Drake moonsault uh, and then Rush gets the pinfall victory, hitting the bull, bull's horns on J.D. Drake. Post-match, House of Black appear on the screen. Uh, they've got an issue with LFI. Who haven't they got an issue with? Um, so they're going to take away... Um, or they, they're going to take what LFI wants so that LFI will have to go after them. Uh, and so they're going to challenge Ricky Starks and Big Bill for the world tie- tag titles at full gear. Uh, and on top of that, Julia Hart is pissed off that uh, Willow and Sky Blue keep rejecting her gift. So she challenges uh, tonight. If she can beat Willow Nightingale, uh, it's a playoff effectively to see who faces Chris Statlander for a rematch, rematch of the TBS title at full gear. Yep. I'm like, just watching Rush and J.D. Drake was such a pleasure. Just, they beat the piss out of each other. It's a kind of unusual combination. Rush just wrestles like he wants to go to that pay window, and he knows to do so is with victory. Yeah. I just find him so believable to watch. He's back to where he was when it was like, I don't think he'd signed with AEW, and to get a contract, he decided to murder people. He's been doing that since day one. Yeah. Day one, Roosh has been up for this. Um, I love to, he just, he's so mean. He's <laughs> such a mean wrestler. But when he leans babyface, like, it's just, you're just watching an ass kicker who you can believe in. Mm. Um, J.D. Drake, I love it when he eats shit off those moonsaults. <laughs> like, oh, God. That this was, um, you know when this match is like, it wasn't really anything special. Mm-hmm. It's nothing like, um, that's Seidel, Leo Rush. Um, Moriarty mm. and there was someone else in there as well. That tag match, that's like the absolute hidden gem of all hidden gems on Dynamite. I'll never remember this as fondly as that, but for a match that was nothing special and functioned just to give a team a win, I just enjoyed watching these people beat each other up. Mm. Loved it without it being great. I've remembered the spot is from the main event. It's because it's another smaller person getting the head taken off by a big lad. Uh, speaking of which, I got a tweet from JD Drake over the weekend. Oh. Remember, uh, we played the game in the office. Listen to WrestleCulture if you want to hear more uh, bad wrestler descriptions. You had to guess the wrestler from the Reddit wrestler description. Uh, shout out to Colt Jester, who just tweeted me this image for J.D. Drake. And J.D. Drake replied, no. <laughs> I mean, no, 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 no. Go and check that out. Uh, J.D. Drake and Henry, like, it's weird. They got job at entrance here. So mm-hmm. I was actually in a mood. I was like, yeah. I still don't get how good the workhorsemen are, do we? That's weird. Like, if nothing else, Tony Khan knows who's good and who's bad. He'll pick his favorites, and he'll push people who no one else really wants to see at certain levels. I won't name names. It's cruel. Mm-hmm. Um, but usually he knows who's great, um, and will book them accordingly, even with a sort of reverence. If he's not going to push them all the way, he'll be nice to them. The workhorsemen, his treatment of the workhorsemen... Honestly, it baffles me and it makes mm. me question his credentials. What does he not see in these lads? Okay, I right. understand that they, they haven't got the most television quality 
vibe to their act. They're very much workhorsemen, mm. lack of a better word. But my God, they deserve better than job at entrance. That's they fair. deserve to be better than the team who get beat every week on collision with no... And I think it should be pushed. Yeah. I think it should be a project. Uh, Chris Statlander and Willow Nightingale are backstage with Lexi Nair. Um, Statlander is going to defend a TBS title in a three-way uh, of full gear. And the winners of Sky Blue versus Red Velvet next week. I wonder who's going to win that one. And, uh, yeah, Julia Hart and Willow Nightingale. So, potentially, another title shot for Willow Nightingale. You're joking. Not another one? We all knew yeah. what was going to happen in the match. Uh, and Statlander wishes Willow good luck. She can't walk down the street without getting a title shot, Willow Nightingale. <laughs> I love her. I love her. She probably deserves it. She's yeah. been great, but my God, it's still a bit uh, plot holy. Mm. Uh, now for the guy with the bad neck, Roderick Strong, proving he is neck strong, taking on Darius Martin. He rolls out his wheelchair with the kingdom with him, uh, and he fires up, and he's absolutely fine once he gets in the ring. Yeah. <laughs> There's neck strong chance. Uh, Martin gets some offense in. Hits a high crossbody after some strikes, gets a near fall, uh, but Strong takes out his uh, knee from underneath him. Hits a backbreaker, another backbreaker, 10 punches in the corner. Um, Martin fires back, though, sends him into the turnbuckle, sternum first. Uh, turns around into a drop kick from Roderick Strong, though. Martin fires back up, chops, run up, Pele kick, uh, bulldog into the ropes. Um, but uh, as uh, Martin is. Making his way back into the ring, he gets nailed by a Roderick Strong jumping knee. Uh, he hits the sick kick and the end of heart heartache. One, two, three. Gets the victory. Goes immediately back to clutching his neck, of course. Uh, and the kingdom, low blow, Darius Martin. Hit the uh, Hail Mary and stop beating the crap out of him before Action Andretti runs down to make the save. Yeah. Good for him. Fun while it lasted. He got to see the good dimension of Roderick Strong. He killed that poor guy, <laughs> albeit very briefly. A much necessary reminder of the kind of wrestler that Roderick, Roderick Strong can be. Yes. And then he was back to it. It's just preposterous at this point. Like It really is piss poor. He hit one on Rampage as well, and like slid in, hit the end of heartache, and then immediately... Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's, just, it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. No one's actually buying it anymore, you know what I mean? It's not as if he's... It's not a ruse. Not fooling an authority figure. Not that I'm suggesting that we should have one. No, absolutely never, ever, ever, ever. <laughs> at most a Tony. At most a um, championship council or whatever. Mm. Um, but I. what's the point? Who's he trying to fool at this point? That's a good point. Um, he was trying originally to play on the sympathies of Adam Cole who's now just gone for surgery. And, and watching the shows, because yes, he rings yes, into yes. half of them. Who's he trying to fool? I don't understand what the point of this is. And his opponents wouldn't think, well, he's got a neck brace, so probably take it easy on him. Yeah. We all know, I don't know. It's, a total, it's, just a, it's visual, empty visual prop comedy. <sighs> Why? Then we got the Continental Classic announcement. Great. Excited to see that. And Okay, let's go. <laughs> I've been waiting to drop that for a while. I've been waiting for the next good match graphic as soon as I had Twitter, straight away, straight away. <laughs> okay, let's go. <laughs> he does make it look awesome to create a little, like, model. Yeah, it's like a model, like, fun fair. Yeah, fairground, isn't it? Yeah. Like, uh, 
the good ones, the Raji one. <laughs> the Tamua. I love the Tamua move. It's mint. Uh, then it was the, the qualifying match between Willow and Julia Hart. Uh, I liked Willow barking at Julia Hart and Brody King barking back at her. And uh, I thought it was going to be a relatively straightforward victory for Julia Hart, but uh, Nightingale made me... She did win, I didn't completely nibble on a pinfall, but I didn't think she got a lot of lot of stuff in here. Uh, gory special, Sky Blue's watching on. Um, Hart manages to get out of that, though, and uh, hits Julia uh, Nightingale hits Julia Hart with a sidewalk slam. Uh, Hart catches her in the ropes, though, drags her out to the floor, so Nightingale just suplexes her on the floor to take us to break. Come back, Willow's running wild. Huge spine buster, gets a near fall, goes for a finish, um, but um, Julia Hart's been targeting the arms, and her arm gives out, she can't hit it. So uh, Hart fires back with a big lariat to the back of the head. Goes for the heartless submission. Nightingale powers out of it, pounces her, so Hart just rolls to the floor and hides behind Brody King, which is exactly what I'd do in that scenario. Nightingale catches her, though, sends her into the steps, but Hart manages to avoid the uh, cannonball, uh, sets Nightingale up for a moonsault. Nightingale takes her down. Full Nelson slam for a near fall. Goes for a finish again. Hart, I think, was meant to land on her feet out of it. Kind of flipping out of it, but fell over a little bit. Got back up. Dr. Lariat. Another yeah. big Lariat from her. Moonsault, one, two, three. Julia Hart is heading to full gear. Yeah, it was such a shame. That was a really unfortunately timed quasi-botch because she got powerbombed on her arse and made it look like she'd didn't get hurt. Mm. Looks really brutal to take. <laughs> but yeah, she's obviously meant to go on her feet. Uh, t- it sucked you. Well, it sucked me out of the finish. This was not bad, but my God, it felt like it went on. Mm. It felt like it went on. I'm in favor of longer women's matches in general. Um, I'm in favor of more reps, even if in the moment I'm a little bit like, come on, this is dragging a bit. I don't necessarily think in you're making the best use of your time, and I'm thinking, is this going to do another advert or whatever? Um, just on principle, I would like to see it. And when it was all gone, like, I couldn't be mad about this. I've been campaigning for this, and maybe we need more of this, particularly on collision, which isn't as much of a concern, so that if they can work these inexperienced sort of division within the division of AEW's women's talent pool, like yeah, yeah, Anna Jays, Julia Hart, and the Sky Blues, you have to learn at some point how to do a good 12-minute... This was not, for me, a good 12-minute, even though it had its moments. But I absolutely endorse its existence. Yes, exactly. Whereas I don't endorse Collision's existence. In general, I wish it would go away. If you're going to have Collision, which I wish didn't exist, so I could look forward to Dynamite more, this is a good use of it. Even if I wasn't necessarily blown away by the action. Ricky Starks and Big Bill are backstage with Lexi Nair. Uh, They don't have anything to do with anyone challenging for their titles. Uh, But Lexi informs them. That not only will uh, the House of Black be challenging them, but so will FTR and LFI. A four-way for the titles at full gear. Starks pitches a fit. Why are we the last ones to know? Uh, but he recovers to say, ah, it doesn't matter. We're going to be the longest reigning tag team champs ever. Uh, uh, sorry. Let's, un- <laughs> let's unpack this, okay? So Starks and Big Bill are the champions. They have a reason to be in the match. The match, by the way, almost certainly exists for, I'm going to say, Drillistico to take the pin to give Starks and Big Bill a win on pay-per-view. The rule of a four-way is that, especially in AW, is that it exists. I suppose the last time they did a four-way on pay-per-view, there was a title change. But a four-way is basically a cheap means of prolonging a title. Yes. FTR said, 
we're going to work our way back up. I guess they did. They've just beaten. <laughs> that was easy. Just it was a bit easy. Felt like they haven't worked their way back up. They've had a couple of wins. Mm. Did they win on collision that eight man? I can't remember. Last week, yes. Because then the House of Black showed up. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll go with that. <laughs> and the beat for Kingo and Commander. So yeah, like they've worked their way back up. I thought yeah. the Young Bucks were number one contenders. What's going on? Yeah, well, I'll I know they. I know the, what they're doing at full gear to that. Mm-hmm. Roosh and Jalistico win last week, I think. And this week, oh, because the Gates of Agony took the fall, yeah. So, like, like, so they've won twice in two weeks. Mm-hmm. Two of the teams. House of Black basically started on or tried to fight the teams who've been winning. Wow, oh, that's so WWE. Mm. That is so WWE. The rule of WWE is that if you are, who's the biggest jobber in WWE right now? Uh, Main roster. <laughs> It used to be Humberto and Garza, but like they are on NXT. So they keep feeding Cedric Alexander to Dragon Lee so he can get some wins. Cedric Alexander just attacks Roman Reigns. Why why don't you do that? Because you can get a shot at the the undisputed (laughs) WWE Universal. What's stopping you other than the writers on scripting you would do it? Yes. That's how you get matches. Apparently, that's how you get matches in AEW now as well. House of Black. So the Kings of the Black Throne, Mm -hmm. Malachi and Brody. Mm -hmm. When was the last time they had a tag team match? Yeah, please do. I think someone mentioned on X that it's four months. Feels even longer for me. Provided it's the Kings of the Black Throne, I feel like it was forever ago. Here we go. I can't remember Brody King and Buddy having matches together, or Brody and Malachi, uh, Buddy and Malachi. So I'm assuming it's Kings of the Black Throne. Tag match. Yeah. What month are we talking? Uh, Mid July. Jesus, who did the who did they wrestle? Uh, you're going to feel stupid now because they had a big win over uh, Artemis Spencer and Randy Myers. <laughs> <laughs> it was trios since then. So how, how, how what have they done? What have they done this year in terms of tags? What have they done? Oh, they lost to best friends on Rampage in March. Is that when people thought um, in March? Mm-hmm. Oh, by DQ. Okay, maybe the elite interfered or something. Because it was heading towards revolution. I've got no idea. And I don't oh, care. he got a big win in January over the Outrunners. What date was it in March? 29th. Right, so that's after they've won the trios title. So they've probably lost that to set up a trios match because they were the then yeah. trios challenge. Yeah. Either way, what credentials do they have to enter this match? Ridiculous. Meanwhile, the Young Bucks are the number one contenders, right? Now, I understand, right, how this works. You're a team of the caliber of the Young Bucks and you win the number one tie, uh, contenders, you don't go, right, I'll call the next Dynamite. You go, whoa, oh, no, no, no. It's, if you win on pay-per-view, a uh, number one contender match to the tag team titles, you don't necessarily want to cash that in um, immediately. No. Why don't you wait until the big pay-per-view, right, in your hometown, <laughs> yep. right? So you've got, it's a big match, biggest money. You can call your shot, I imagine, it's in front of your home fans, so you've got a really good chance of winning. Oh, you always favourites at home, right? And it's the big money. Why, why are you defending your, your number one contender shot? Is it money in the bank now? Is this what this is? Well, I, I, I don't, I've got to defend the briefcase before they can actually... Well, it's very selective. It's very stupid. If there's ever a time to say, right, we're the number one contenders, and that's the show you want to do it on, you would probably go, well, we've got more chance of winning the titles in our home ta- in our home state, yep. in front of our hometown fans are near enough. Um, so we'll just do it then, please. 
it's ridiculous. The booking of this tag team division, it sucks. And it's really wound me up. It's just I hate like, like when there's like, all right, okay, if we book this match, or if we book these two matches at full gear, there are like this complaint, this complaint, this plot hole, this complaint, this criticism, this plot hole. Right? You've got all of them, like at least five or whatever. Cool. It's just so it, loose. It is money in the bank now. Because do you remember the other week where I was like, Willow Nightingale's got a title shot? And you're like, where's that come from? Didn't she just lose a four-way? And I was like, oh, no, Tony Khan's explained it by saying it's because she won. Oh. So they're just... It's, the, the book in here is asking so many questions. Like, the wrong... Because the last thing you want to do is just have your audience pose questions. Why is this happening? Shouldn't this not be happening yeah. because of this reason? And I'm just full of, like, the worst kind of pedantic questions. Not even pedantic, like really reasonable questions. Paul White came out next to join commentary for a very brief powerhouse Hobbs squash. Oh, it was still great. Those clubbing uh, fists to the chest. Oh, my God. It looked like agony. Poor Titus Alexander is who he butchered here. Uh, post-match, uh, Don Callis and Carl Fletcher join Hobbs in the ring. Uh, and Callis says his family is the best in wrestling history, better than the Briscoes, the Von Erichs. Uh, hearts, etc. Um, I like the continuation of that bit. I don't believe it anymore. I don't believe he thinks that family that he is stable is on par with them. Whereas when he was saying to make us better than Gotch and Hackenschmidt, I could believe he believes that. Yes. So it's not working really. I don't like it anymore. I've decided. Don calls Jericho a narcissist who called the last friend he had in Paul White. He said, "Look, I know you're a stand-up guy, Paul. You know, I knew you." Yeah. Is he? I've seen him try. I need to accept the offer, but it's not too late to get he's out of it. He's a stand-up looking like he's an excruciating pain guy. They surround the announce table. Callis calls Paul White a scared giant. He said, I've buried two giants in my career. I'll happily do it again. Get him, Hobbs. But uh, White gets to his feet, and uh, the Callis family decide better of it. Why he could just basement dropkick his knees, and he would never stand up again in his life. Why is Paul White in this match? I understand he's going to probably get dressed in a funny outfit. <laughs> Some memes he'll get and he'll do nothing. But it's still pathetic. Seen enough of Paul White since 1995. By 1999, I thought I'd never want to watch you wrestle again. <laughs> <laughs> and then every now and then, he would get a little bit of the aura back. A little bit of form. 2002... Okay, Paul, that was quite good work. 2012, hey, I'm actually Seamus. Kicked ass. But I think I've got like four positive memories associated with Paul White. I did like that. He's in AW, my once precious, in 2023. I did like that time that uh, Triple H broke his hand and he came out with that cast on. And I was like, "That's he's going to kill him if he hits him with that. Look at the size of it. Looks like a giant... Anyway, um, what did it? Did it? Did it? Did it? It's time to play the game. Did it? Did it? What Paul White moments could I vaguely tolerate? Certain moments in WCW when he was like fit. Mm-hmm. The boiler room brawl with mankind, mm-hmm. and then he pretty much. Going to 2002 <laughs> for the Brock Lesnar stuff, which wasn't bad, half bad at all. 
I like the bit where he got shot with a tranquilizer by Shut Kurt up. Angle. Shut up. Between only remember he added poo because of Eddie Guerrero. Between two thousand and two and two thousand and twelve, is there anything I would go back and watch the Big Show do? I think maybe he had a flare match in ECW. Mm. That was just total. What are you doing <laughs> in this ring with those initials on it, bleeding that much? Yeah. Oh well, look at that. Yeah. So I've got three, and then the Big Show Sheamus stuff. That's it. That's it for me. I always like the bit where it was like. He's got this knockout punch. I was like, why don't you just use that straight away? Then? Yeah, I know. I know he had power it up or whatever bollocks. And the time when... Uh, Responsible for some of the worst television of all time. And the time when uh, they just went, I know you like Daniel Bryan, but what if we just gave Daniel Bryan stuff to this guy? Basically the same, isn't it? The yes thing. Havler told me once he was at a, a live show and uh, like a live event. And I think... Uh, Danielson had been called to the TV taping because they needed him. And so Paul White just came out instead and was like, I was just on the phone to Daniel Bryan. He told me to kick these guys out. And everyone was like, boo! <laughs> Suck, Paul. <laughs> right. I liked his turns. I'm never usually that cruel, okay? Particularly because Paul White isn't doesn't seem as bad of a bloke as no. Road Dog and Kane, who are also on my... Mount Rushmore, but the worst. Mm. But he's been on Rush my... Poor. Rush Poor. Rush Poor. Um, he's just always been one of my least favorite wrestlers. And the fact that he's doing, even like a meme match multi-man, I'm sorry for the iteration there, <laughs> um, I still just kind of sanction it. I'm allowed to be this cruel to people like... Hardy, Big Show, Kane, Road Dog. That, there's not enough space for Undertaker and Triple H. I'd have to really think about this. I'd have to really think about long and hard about this. Uh, FTR tab guys out are going to win the titles didn't really say much here and then it was main event time it was uh, Adam Copeland Darby Allen and Sting versus Lance Archer and <laughs> the righteous the righteous uh, yeah it was Dutch and the righteous that did the spot that made me really squeal we'll get to it in a second uh, Dobby Allen is, you know, like, uh, for a while, uh, Orange Cassidy was, like, kind of held together with Kinesio tape. That was the story they were telling him. Just yeah. like, he's just kind of getting away with it here. Dobby Allen now has, like, a body shell uh, thing on it. Everything he does is even more harrowing than it used to be. <laughs> At least you haven't got a dangerous moveset, eh, Dobby? Yeah. It's, got, it, it's not a sling, but it's just, yeah, ridiculous because uh, of his shoulder injury. Um, which doesn't help that you're in there. Uh, he's been there with Vincent. It's fine. You know, I'm sure Vincent can do some damage, but it could be worse. And then Lance Archer comes in and Darby Allen is literally baby face in peril. Just just get away from him. Just get to the corner. You that release uh, suplex as well. Oh my God. Uh, the, the one time I pressed the button was for the Lance Archer release suplex on Darby Allen. Oh my God. Uh, Sting comes in, fights all three of them, sends Archer to the floor to go to commercial. Uh, when we come back, Vincent's biting Sting. Uh, they do like a train of splashes on him in the corner. And uh, Sting and Vincent butts heads. That allows Darby Allen to come in. He fights off all three of them. And this is the bit that I loved. He goes for a code red. I can't remember. Who, it, presumably it was on Vincent because Dutch is involved. And you don't think it'd be Lance, maybe. He sets up for it. And Dutch just came in and like... You're meant to be heading this way, Darby. Yeah. Well, how about I send you this f***ing this <laughs> way? 
Oh my god! Took his head off. It was great. Loved that spot. Um, uh, that obviously takes us to a break because you think maybe Darby's dead. Uh, when we come back, he's getting beat down. That was when he hit, got hit with that vertical suplex. Uh, uh, Copeland has to save Sting from Lance interfering on the floor. Copeland comes in, runs wild, sends him all to the floor. Does a big suicide dive onto the pile. Uh, he sets up the spear on Vincent. Archer distracts him. So uh, Darby Allen hits the coffin drop on Lance Archer on the floor, uh, and Copeland turns around but hits it, gets hit with a black hole slam from Dutch. Sting fights off the righteous, teams up with Copeland to hit an elbow drop, scorpion death drop combo. Uh, Sting a splash on Vincent in the corner. Uh, Copeland hits the spear, one, two, three, and post-match, of course, here comes Luchasaurus, Nick Wayne, and, and uh, Christian Cage to stare them down to close out this show. It was a fun house show tier match. Like with a random combination of heels, like house shows are weird. Particularly like WWE's history of house shows. And there's a period, right? Was it 2000 and really late in the Sky's run? Like long after he was treated seriously on TV, right? Snitsky. <laughs> he was backstage, wasn't he, the other day? Was he on WWE? Yeah. Ah. Like, long after, you know, he's punted the baby and he was, like, the freak heel of the f- flavor of the month or whatever, and he had matches with... K- oh, what? Like, years. What, just before he got released, he was, like, headlining house shows. Cause it's like, right, okay. It's up against, like, the baby. I think it was, like, Cena working them. It's all right. I kind of half get it. He's this big unit. He looks eye-catching. Who could believably, in the context of a John Cena match, if you can even use that word, Monster Cena about... And, like, little kids would be like, oh, look, he's a big, ugly, weird, freaky guy. <laughs> yes. And he's going to hurt my favorite. But, no, oh, my God, my favorite just won. Like, Lance Archer and the Righteous are like, all right, okay, I can understand why you've put them together on a house rules tour in front of 1,700 people in Birmingham. Yeah, I can understand why they're on this house show. It's just a, a squad for the over-popular enduring baby faces to beat. That's exactly what this was. It's a house show of, they're headlining it. I guess it makes sense. The match was fine. Like, Sting walking, brawling with Archer didn't really, wasn't convincing. <laughs> no. It just wasn't. Um, it's one of those where it's like, I'm trying, like, I am trying where I know we don't have Sting for very long, but you see him doing some walk and brawl, and you're like, you can't do a dive off the... Uh, <laughs> the entrance set there. So like, you can't do that every week, but at the same time, you shouldn't have Sting wrestling every week. Yeah. Um, Darby, you know, he's class. Put some real juice into that match. And then it all it was all set up for Edge to do some... Edge doing... Bad spot? <laughs> Edge is doing... Do dives? Fine. Fun. It's... It's... it's sorry, sweet. Didn't need fun. to exist, much like Collision. Set it on the preview... The reason why you have babyface supergroups isn't to see if they can win together. Or they shouldn't, they, they, it's a real test for them ahead <laughs> of their full gear. No, it isn't. They're a supergroup. They're going to win a lot of matches. That's what I... It was fine. If, you, if you're less of a dickhead than me, you probably just really enjoyed this. Mm. But I watched an hour and a half on a Sunday morning going, that's really fun, yeah. This is quite nice with my coffee. Then Monday morning, I was right, got to get up early to finish watching this. And it didn't th- make me think, oh, get in. <laughs> Get in. What a valuable use of my time this was. Still there. 
Got the Continental Classic coming. Yeah. That's exciting. Uh, let us know your thoughts on that and on the uh, the show on Saturday night. Uh, on X at WhatCultureWWE. Watch, they can follow both of us. You can follow Michael Sidgwick at... Um, Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE, as I said. Make sure you subscribe to WhatCulture Wrestling, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts. The SmackDown review is available right now. Sorry for calling Cedric Alexander a jobber. He put on another great match with Dragon Lee, which we talked about on the SmackDown review uh, earlier on today. And me, Sidge, and Hamlet will be back later on today to preview Monday night. Row. But for now, this has been the AW Collision Review. My thanks to Michael Sidgwick. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you soon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 